Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. What was it that caused you to realize these things and where like the light bulb, you started to see and understand these conversations and these things that were happening that you'd been around, but had kind of flown over your head? I was lucky enough that Facebook was an incredibly transparent environment where leaders talk to one another. And as a young leader in a room of 50 other leaders talking about performance many times a year about their teams, I was shell-shocked to see and experience that firsthand about how people talked about budgeting and performance and who's doing what and talking about the artful side. Someone could have performed incredibly well, but their team doesn't like to work with them, right? So that that caused a, a big problem. And I listened to a lot of other people who had been doing it for a much longer time than I have. And I think sometimes I accepted the reality, right? I wasn't trying, I wasn't there to change the system. I was there to navigate the system and also to help my team navigate the system. So helping them understand how the game is played is sometimes the biggest challenge. Yeah. Now, as you got and what caused you to get restless? How did you make the transition? Because you were in a pretty secure world. You were doing well. You're in a situation where they valued high performers, people who could get the job done. They rewarded them and uh, probably gave you a lot of discretion on your time and things like that. Why did you get restless? My son was being born. So this is going to sound ironic to most people because it's probably the opposite of what a lot of people would do. But I always had that entrepreneurial itch to go build and build something that I was really proud of and that life, that work-life balance that I had really wanted, Um, especially given that I didn't have that relationship with my dad. When my dad became a parent to myself, I think he was in his mid fifties off the top of my head, if I'm doing my math right. And then obviously he got Alzheimer's later in the car. And there was just a lot of things where I wish if things were different, I had a different relationship with my dad and it's not at his own fault. It's just the way that the world worked. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's life. Right. And so for me, I wanted to be a more present father at the time. That was real. And it's even till today, right. That's a big, big focal point for me is my family. And my wife and I, were, it was, I think, April, and our, my son was being born like within like the next 10 days is, is what they were telling us, right? It was right on that cusp. And I was like, if I'm ever going to go take a jump and a leap of faith and go build something, it's only going to get riskier. So why not go now? And, you know, I probably jumped too late, if you ask me, but I jumped, right? And I made the switch. I'd also been at Facebook for five years where I think I had learned a lot, but I'd also, I think, met my, maybe this is the max that I could adapt to in this period uh-huh. of time Yeah, where I was looking for a change, motivated by the fact of being a father. I was like, yeah, let's leave this comfy golden handcuffs, large six-figure comfy job yeah. and go start from scratch in the middle of being a father at the same time. And in retrospect, obviously it worked out decently well for at least how I would define what I care about. But it was a very terrifying decision at the time. Yeah, I'd made those decisions and then not had the realization hit me for six months later after it was too late to back out. <laughs> yeah, wake it up goes both the, ways. 
wake up in the middle of the night, your eyes pop out of your head. What have I done? <laughs> and then, okay. the good thing about that is like, you say, well, it's too late now to worry about it and go back to sleep. You know, so, yeah, but agreed. it helps to be young when you do these things because you, there's really more reasons not to do it than to do it. If you're going to be rational about it and the older you get, yep. the more rational and the more like, that's why the riskier thing comes in. It's harder to talk yourself into the longer you let it lay there. And uh, you go. Well, I was going to say, I think that's a big part of it, right? It's like, it was, I think younger people oftentimes see risk very differently, right? And when you're 5, 10, 25 years into your career, you ask yourself, I should have done it back then, right? And you just don't know what you don't know. And again, I had incredible mentors around me who, even my manager and mentor at the time at Facebook, you know, he understood. He was like, go do your thing, right? Like, you have this itch, this is the go do it. If you want to come back... Let us know. <laughs> well, why was real estate your thing? Other than that's the thing for everybody in California. Why was real yeah. estate? Were you doing, were you messing with that? Were you getting a little education in advance as you, before you left, you find yourself getting more and more intrigued with that industry? Definitely, right? So it was, a, I didn't jump into real estate. It was the first thing. I had been doing it while I was at Facebook. And the main thing and the main reason is I was a younger individual with a high income living in a in California where I needed to think about taxes and different strategies and right. different diversification. And as I learned more about the industry and specifically the short-term rental industry, which is what we're in today with Airbnbs, I recognized the gaps were just so large. And as someone who was conditioned at Facebook by culture there that everything should be automated, why don't we have technology for this? You're going to do it more than once. Why is it this built? And just being around such advanced everything. And obviously, I can't talk about everything that happened at Facebook, but everything that you saw and experienced there, whether it was behind closed doors or not, you're like, wow, this stuff can actually exist. It's possible. And then you enter the real world or even the real estate world where everything is so archaic <laughs> and dinosaur. And I can't tell you how many times I... I've gotten so frustrated with something in the real estate world where I'm like, I don't understand why this has to be the way that this works, right? Because there is a better way, but it's no one's adapting it to it because you just don't want to, right? right. And that to me poses the biggest opportunity of an element of disruption. We're not here trying to change the world necessarily with what we do, but we recognize an opportunity to simply do all the things that people weren't. Right. And that's yeah. us reinventing the wheel in the safest of forms. Well, this is why it's the government running real estate is why you don't have meta, like you said, money motivated, conquer the world vision. This, uh, no, bureaucrats. It's not that things have to be that way. It's just that the people who are in charge, you know, they're for a period of years or whatever, and they don't, there's not a lot of benefits to them for rocking the boat. They're not going to get a big slice of all the sales that are increased in California because of a change they make in the, the real estate licensing process. And you're dealing with bureaucrats. And so that's why. It's <laughs> Agreed. I mean, look, it's, it's part of the game. Yeah. And so as you went in there and you said, OK, I am going to make some changes. And you came up with this. Were you just making sales when you started? Real estate as a realtor, you know, no, no, no. We, we, I've never been a realtor and never will. So, what we did, surprisingly, maybe not surprising to many, is we wrote software 
or the real estate space because uh, you know coming from tech, the way my brain works is why can't software fix this or help this, right? Or something along those lines. And the first product that we came to market with in the STR space was about discovery of short-term rentals, right? And it was a what we thought a great idea. The problem was it was high churn. It was not every most people aren't looking to buy 10 Airbnbs tomorrow. You know, if they're gonna buy one in their lifetime, sometimes many people are happy. Right. And so we built a product for an avatar or a persona that didn't exist. But the good news with that is we learned so much that we eventually pivoted and pivoted and pivoted that allowed us to build a company today that solved the pain point of the user. Right. And that's the tech mentality that you have in building a business that I think the real estate industry often lacks. Right. Real estate often is transactional, given your example of, say, being a realtor. We weren't trying to be transactional. We were trying to own the entire stack of real estate because if we could own the entire stack of real estate in short-term rental space, we can own our own futures rather than transacting within it. So now explain how you went, what the concept was to own that. With the so software, we wanted to, how would that work? Yeah. So today, we don't license our software. We're actually not a software company. We have real estate fundamentals, but we build our own software internally that allows us to scale and operate to the success that we do. And what we did is we solved for the human pain point, which is in short-term rentals. If you want to own your own Airbnb, it's a lot of freaking work. You got to find it, design it, furnish it, run it, operate it. And so for us, we offer a passive opportunity where you don't have to do any of that. You simply write a check, you join a portfolio like ours and other investors across the country. And we do all the work. We find it, we design it, we furnish it, we lead with data and we operate the property ourselves. We design it ourselves, we renovate it ourselves. We own every single part of it, which means we can control the experience for our investors. We can control the experience for guests and we can drive the best profitable type returns, right? Oh, is we it took short, the Is it short-term, is it Airbnb exclusively or short-term rentals exclusively? Yeah, so it's short-term rentals exclusively. Airbnb obviously is the behemoth in this space and it's used as the verb and the noun, but yes, all we do is short-term rentals. Yeah, and so also the financing, yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, well, the other deal is that I, I got the idea from reading a little bit about your software and everything that in terms of finding and identifying the properties that, that are worth going and getting, you've got that down to a high-tech science too, haven't you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. And that's the approach that we take with the way we operate, with what we buy, everything. Yeah, you put it through the rinser and... The non-accepted ones just automatically get thrown out. It's not a big debate as they're just tossed. You go, you know, you're like, uh, you built this up to me. That's kind of like they have the, uh, on television, the, back when I used to watch television, the uh, reality gold, looking for gold in the Amazon or in Alaska. And they have the big grinding machine and they go through a mountain and then they get a handful of gold. <laughs> yep, exactly. And even then, right, there was probably a better way to do it. Yeah. Right. But what do the, all the movies show you in, in history tells you is you had everyone coming through with a shovel. Yeah. Right. And trying to do the same exact thing. Yet, what did, we, what did we learn? It was the person selling the shovel that actually made the most money and probably whoever had a shovel infrastructure at the time could support that. Yeah. Right? So, those are the types of things that, you know, I think people recognize sometimes a little too late. Yeah. And it's complicated because now you have the, uh, or I don't know. I don't keep up with it that much, but you know, the whole idea of the hedge funds coming in and buying up 
gobs of houses wherever they can find them and paying whatever price. They don't worry about quibble over the price. They just want to gobble up all the available houses in a neighborhood. For you to be able to go in and sort through that with a lot of times you're going through leftovers, it would seem like. Yep. Well, to the retail investor, yes, but that's why we built software to better identify markets ahead of the curve. And the great thing that I like about what you're doing, and this is why people are either going to get in this game or you're going to be beaten by the people who use it. And that is, you don't have to buy, like if you want to get in the Airbnb, you don't have to do it in your neighborhood. And it's terrifying not to. Yeah. You can be in Alaska. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yep. Precisely. And people will become more comfortable with that over time. And so you grew this thing. Talk about the growth of this idea. Whenever you have a new idea, it's like, I talk about this every day with people. It's just like, everybody's against you. You hear a thousand, a million no's. And then when you break through, it's not going to work. It's a terrible idea. It's not going to work. You can't work. And then when it worked, it was like, well, I, right from the beginning, I knew you had something. I always believed in you. I always thought you were going to make it big. Everybody turns around. It's like, it's a terrible idea until it's not. <laughs> yeah, we heard a ton of no's, no doubt. And we've experienced great growth. But for us, our growth is, and in terms of how we measure it is obviously being in our investment spaces by equity. And we're over $50 million in two years. And that's really valuable and important to us because it allows us to scale our real estate portfolio for Let's us and our partners. Let's talk about that. You started, you started and you started, everybody starts with zeros and we're in business. We're rolling. We've got a new idea. Let's put it together. And the odds are against us. Most new businesses fail. And so we're running into a stream of no's. And then Two years later, one year later, where are you? A year after we started, I think we were doing about, we were right about 20, 25 million. And what is yeah, that? Yeah, it was, it was what is that 25 mean? million in equity raised. So for us, we measure our growth by equity under management. So, so meaning people, how much people investing in your platform, right? People investing in the assets that we buy, the real yeah. estate. Right. And so, how did you get the word out about it? How did you break through? Yeah, you first, one by one. No, so the first thing we did, I mean, which I think a lot of people do, is friends, family, colleagues, people that you hustle and bustle and do podcasts like this and try to get out, get the word out in every possible way. And when we first started, we went through our iterations, and it wasn't really until like October of 2021 where we really hit a. Like, wow, this could really work because we raised, I think, like $6 million in that, that month or in that period. Yeah. And we were like, oh, maybe we're onto something. And then as the next year would come up, we'd end that year at about 37 in aggregate and total. But we continue to just hustle, to be quite honest with you. And I think our time in tech helped us in thinking about how we can growth hack an idea on the cheap. And today we right. grow in more sustainable methods, right? Because we're a little bit more of a... I think we're still very early, but we're more of a mature company than we ever were, obviously, and we'll continue to get more mature over time. But we added strategies for sustainable growth today that we couldn't do last year or the year before because we didn't have the money or didn't have the people. But I think the biggest thing that allowed us to grow was really our belief in the people that we hired. I think our team is the best in class in what we do. And I think that's a big reason why people even invest with us. 
is they believe that the people here can execute the vision and, and mission that we are after on a daily basis, and we're incredibly passionate about it. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whiteallonwinning.com. Thanks for listening.